Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host. Shwini Poo, and this is episode 307. I am joined by, uh, not first time, but first time in a long time, guest. His name is Puneet Singh. That is at Puneet Singh on Twitter. Puneet, how are you doing? This Good, man. Live? How are you? Thank you for having me back on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, man. Uh, it's Honor and a privilege. Yeah, it's it's been a minute, and uh, you, you hit me up on Twitter, and you were like, hey, have me on. And I was like, great. I don't have to fucking figure out a guest. This is wonderful. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm pumped. We're going to do a lot of Nick stuff because this is Nick's podcast. Uh, but before we get into that, I have to make a few announcements. The first being that Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at the strict.land on Instagram. We are posting all kinds of new content out there. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are and you haven't done so already, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That would be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has merchandise, which you can find on our website. We have all kinds of stuff on there. T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, even water bottles. Check it out. Again, you can find that on our website. And then, finally, The Strickland has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There is a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, the podcast that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to... The Strickland Mailbag, hosted, hosted, wow, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. The Doug Bag, alongside Dallas Miko. That comes out every other week. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the next even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There is a $15 tier, a $30 tier, a $50 tier. And $100 tier, those come with a variety of additional benefits like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not. None of this would be possible without you. And then finally, this podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, which is your number one source for all your championship finals, info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for this year's NBA and Stanley Cup Finals. Bet Online is your sports intel headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your your insider sports wagering needs. From basketball and hockey to MLB, UFC, and boxing, the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home. Get into the action today. Head to the website or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use our promo code Believe B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts, and thank fucking God we can start the podcast now. Um, I'm going to run a parlay on Thursday for the draft on Bet Online now. <laughs> I'm going to use that promo code because I hate DraftKings. I hate FanDuel. People be trying to hack my accounts too randomly. Every now and then I have two-factor set up, so they'll be like, oh, here's your code. I'm like, I haven't logged on in two months. What are we doing here? <laughs> so Bet Online, you will get my business now. <laughs> it's just like It's just like your dad. um so all right look we haven't talked literally i I remember this the last time the one time that you came on the pod was this was the we here season 
and it was after we beat the Hawks in the regular season. It was like an eight game winning streak, whatever the fuck it was. Yeah, to close off yeah. and get the four seed. Yeah. Um. So a lot has happened between now and then, and now or yeah. then and now. Sorry, I was about to say now and then. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Um, I, I guess what – so we haven't talked at all. I actually have – again, you literally hit me up and you're like, I have thoughts. And I was like, fucking great. I don't have to do anything. This is wonderful. <laughs> um, so I guess like my first question is last season happens. It's, a, it's not like – it was a disaster in the sense of like we had a successful season and then you took a step back and you're like, what the fuck? But it's not like in the in the classic Knicks sense of a disaster. It's like it's not like a Knicks disaster, but it was a disaster season, whatever you want to call it. What were your thoughts at the end of last season, and then not just at the end of last season, but I guess like as the off season unfolded and you kind of like were getting closer to training camp, like where were you at? Because we had the whole Donovan Mitchell thing going on, which the Knicks obviously didn't pull the trigger on. Um, like, were you like, why did we do this Jalen Brunson thing? What is going on? Where were you heading into the season? I'll start with the draft, because we had, what, the 12th or 13th pick, something like that? Yeah, the, the 11th pick, same. 11th yeah. pick, yes. And we essentially packaged that for a later first for Detroit, which it might convey, might not, but we moved Burks in the deal, we moved Noel in the deal, we moved Kemba in the deal, I'm pretty sure, right? We yep. just basically cleared all that cap space, and I got a Brunson. And I said, okay, this is fine. It's fine, because if this is what Leon and them are tying their horse to, they'll sink or swim by it. It is what it is. The contract is fine. It's 25 mil a year, 24 mil, something like that, right? Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, if this is what they're tying their horse to, that's their jobs on the line. So if it works, great. I You can't complain if it works because, you know, the Knicks will obviously be good. If it doesn't work, okay. I mean, just hit the reset button. And I mean, I think that's the biggest thing I took away from last, po- last offseason was we really positioned ourselves in a way to stay flexible. Brunson had a four-year deal. Uh, everyone wants to, like, you know, after the Mitchell thing went down, we didn't trade for Mitchell, and we signed RJ simultaneously at that time. The RJ contract's in a vacuum fine. Mm-hmm. It, like, you have to start thinking. When you sign players to the $20, $25, $26, 27000000 million range, they're still tradable. Yep. It's not like when you get into the Carl Anthony Towns, the Rudy Gobert, the Bradley Beal terms of contracts where it's like $50, $60 million, where it's like, really an anchor to your franchise to some degree, the Knicks really don't have that issue. So the biggest thing from that first, that past offseason was we kept our flexibility. Uh, we kept RJ. RJ's, uh, I know fans are up and down on him. I think after watching him the last two postseasons, where after game two, he really got settled versus the Hawks in 2021. And this year where he really, I don't want to say like established, but he played very comfortable enough that you feel like if you're a perennial playoff team, you would want someone like him on your team. Mm. So I know going into this off season with how even the management, because now Gerson has like a little bit of a role with the Knicks, you know, how he feels about certain players he'll be linked to. We've been linked to Carl Anthony Towns just by proxy because we're in New York. He's from New York. Yeah. And I always love how the, that's just like, like the logic for everybody is just like, well, he's from New York, like he's from the area, and fucking Leon Rose was at CAA, and Carl. But Dijon you know, was he ha- he has been twerking a lot for New York. Oh though. yeah, I mean, he's just Towns is like it, Towns is one of those guys where if we sucked, I'd be like really worried that we might trade for Towns because I'd be like Leon's probably gotta like do something to like keep his job. 
Um, yep. So I'm thankful that like we don't we don't suck. But, and like that was actually the big thing last off season because it felt like I mean that was not that that was the only reason, but there was like a huge segment of fans that was like, well, why? What are what is the point of anything we're doing if we're just not going to pull the trigger on getting Donovan Mitchell? And I I think like you know going back to the 2021 22 season. There were a lot of things that were really frustrating about it. Obviously, Randall like falling off a cliff and Tibbs being super stubborn were the biggest ones. But like, I, I thought the biggest thing, and and this ties into Tibbs being a bit stubborn, is that like I just came away from that season being like, I feel like we have a lot more talent on this team than we were allowed to see, and that was not deployed properly. And and then like when you look at kind of where the Donovan Mitchell trade talks you know, what Utah was asking for and where those talks broke down. A lot of it was just like, well, like, yeah, of course you just throw in an extra pick and like, you just give us a manual quickly and you just give, and it's like, I, I was like, it feels like we're trading from a deficit because we had this bad season and I actually like our talent more than what the market seems to. And so like, I think coming into the season, I would be lying if I told you like, I was super fucking optimistic and I thought, oh yeah, five seed, win a playoff round. No, I didn't think any of those things. And a lot of that, to be quite honest, was like, I didn't believe that Tibbs would arrive at like the, the right conclusions with how to deploy the roster. Um, and, and to his credit, he did like, it took 23 games and that's fine. Like coaches need time to figure shit out at the start of the season. Like I'm fine with that. Um, but he did. And however he arrived at that conclusion, like, I don't think that, it was just him on his own. I do think he probably had some gentle uh, prodding from the front office and the nerds that we employ. Um, but like he came to that conclusion. So yeah, like I think I think you're right that like people talk about you know flexibility and flexibility is it can mean a lot of things. And what I think we have seen from this front office is they they're willing to make moves and they're willing to take chances. But what they don't seem willing to do, which I appreciate, and I think this was probably part of the reason why a Mitchell deal didn't get done, is they are not willing to lock themselves in. They want optionality. They want to have the ability to shift and pivot as appropriate. Um, and they've done that basically every year. You know, like they've, the last two off seasons, I mean, Look, obviously, it's not great when you sign contracts that you have to dump a year later. But part of signing those contracts was we can dump them a year later if we need to. Yep. And so they did, and they were able to obviously to get Brunson, and not just Brunson. They signed Hartenstein too, and Hartenstein was fucking awesome for us. So like, I think, and I, it, like, they, there was obviously a price that they paid, and blah blah blah. But like, when you and, and you, to your point about the RJ contract, like, are the Knicks flexible in the sense of they have a bunch of cap space? No, they they're not flexible in that sense. But like you, I have a hard time believing that if they were just like, man, we need to dump the Randall contract or we need to dump the RJ contract or whatever. Like, I don't think they would need to. It would take probably like five seconds. They would probably know. Like, there are teams that would just take those contracts, absorb them, and they'd be okay. So like, they are flexible in that sense. And I think basically everybody else in the, on the on the roster is on contracts that are like. I mean, everybody on the roster is based on contracts that you think are more or less flexible. Even like the Fournier deal, right? Like, yeah, it's a dead salary, but it's a salary where if I attach like a protected first or two protected first to it, somebody's going to bite and they're, I'm probably going to get a decent player out of it too. So 
they have options, and I think like the biggest thing that came out of last offseason and this and this year is like one your talent on the roster looks better because you had a good season and they they literally were better right like quickly was better i don't know yeah. if rj was better but i think rj rj had upside games where you're like okay like i can see the fucking vision uh mitch was definitely better you know obviously Deuce finally got minutes grimes was better so you have all these guys that are playing better brunson it looks really good randall bounces back he was way better this year and then on t- and then so like so you're in a good position there and then i think like you saw i mean we saw this at the trade deadline with josh hart is like you have assets and you have contracts and you have all these things at your disposal where you can package stuff together and still improve on the margins without making like your huge big all in play and you know like we're gonna see what they do this offseason but i'm just of the opinion that like i i don't know if you i don't think you should ever run it back because if you're stagnant like you know this you're a fucking soccer guy so like you know that like when you're good, that's the best time to improve your roster. Like the best time to improve your roster is when you're good. Um, and you, and if you don't, nobody else in the like, if the Knicks are just like, we love our roster, we're just going to run it back. That's great. You know what's going to happen is every other fucking team around you in the East is going to be actively searching for ways to improve their roster. So if you don't, if you're not active and or sorry, proactive about it. You're probably gonna if you stagnate, you're just taking a step back. That's just how it works. So, like, I'm not of the opinion the Knicks should run it back, but I do think the Knicks can exercise like a relative level of prudence about improving the roster relative to like last summer, where it felt like, I mean, obviously they didn't do the Mitchell trade, but like in retrospect, you know, the moves they did make right to to open the open up the cap space for Brunson unload the contracts they did those are pretty significant shifts so like i don't know if they need to make shifts like that this offseason um but they do definitely need to do something they need to add more talent because you always need to add more talent so here's my thing what you said about running it back i'm not opposed to running it back i would say the only downside to running it back and say we don't have as successful as a year as last year or even prove on that is that You've essentially burned one friendly year of that Brunson deal. And he's miles and miles away our best player. He's on a cap-friendly deal. So, like, the logic to that is you would like to build and compete while he has a good contract. The down, like, here's my biggest thing. Like, if we don't improve, if we take a step back, it's still not the worst-case scenario. Because this is what you look like into the next offseason, then. You still got Brunson for two years. I think Randall's down to two two years or one year on his deal. Uh, Tibbs likely isn't the head coach better or worse I mean at the first shake up that always happens is the head coach oh. so if you really take a step back is it like a massive step back we're still flexible we probably didn't take a and that's my thing about bringing Josh Hart back so if we don't bring Josh Hart back I like Josh Hart a lot I thought he played well, very well for us I think he serves a role and purpose but the argument here now comes is if you sign Hart say you give him like 4 years 72 mil something of that nature, four years, 80 mil. You're blocking Grimes' path to play that same role, maybe even better and cheaper. Yeah, I mean, I get. I think the... <sighs> my So, you know what? Like, this is so funny because... I, I'd, be, I'd be shocked if they don't bring Hart back. I'm almost positive they will. 
Um, But like, this is where I think, again, going back to last offseason with the Mitchell thing is one of my issues with like how people were talking about our young guys, right? Especially like in that specific case, like quickly and Grimes um, was like, yeah, of course you just throw those. Like, yeah, of course you trade them for Donovan Mitchell. And I'm like, look, I don't mind trading these guys in a vacuum for Donovan Mitchell, but like, one, like, they actually have value. So, like, to me, it's not like, like, if I'm giving you picks, then I don't want to include those guys. And if I include those guys, then I want your, the, the pick price to come down. And neither yeah. of those things were the case. And I thought part of the reason why that was is the way Tibbs deploys or deployed that year anyway and like the way he uses his talent and i thought he had depressed their value because of his mm-hmm. unwillingness to give them bigger roles that year this year um and and so like to to go to your heart thing the like to, like most coaches it would not be like like let's be real we have effectively on the roster that we actually used, we had three wing players, right? We had RJ, we had Hart, we had Grimes. Yep. And we had Quickly, who plays at the two, for some of his minutes. So if you want to mm-hmm. include him kind of as like a hybrid wing or something, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but like, that's not a lot of guys. And that's plenty of minutes to go around. And so like, to me, if if Hart is cutting into Grimes' minutes, that says more about Tibbs than it does yep. about like, Josh Hart or, you know, having too many guys in the wing or whatever. And so, like, to go back to your point about the coaches usually, like, I think if that's the case, like, if we bring back Hart and Grimes' minutes are just, like, not where they should be or Quickly's minutes are not where they should be and, and all that kind of shit, then I think that's just more about, like, probably just move on from Tibbs. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know what Josh Hart is going to get. And I will say this, though, like, I there's a world where he opts in and then we just extend him off the extent or extend him off the opt in. His opt in, I believe, is like thirteen point one million. So if you if he opts in at that price and then they give him like his full extension or whatever it is, uh, I think it ends up being effectively like a five year ninety four million dollar thing. Uh, mm-hmm. The extension would be four years eighty one million, I think. So like, yeah. I I don't know. I don't love that price overall because I'm just like. I love Josh Hart, and I think he's an awesome player, and I think he's super valuable for us. But he doesn't like if you look at the guys around that price range around the league. Most of them are dudes that are capable of like averaging seventeen, eighteen, nineteen points a game. And I'm like, look, I know points per game is not the uh, end all be all here, but generally, guys that are not scorers are ones that you can price out a little lower. So like. I have again. I have no idea what Josh Hart is going to get, and like we know the cap is going to go up, but we also know that this new CBA is there, and like there's all these different. You know, there's a first apron, there's a second apron, hard cap effectively. Um, there's all kinds of things to consider, but like if they can get Hart on like you know something like a five seventy five deal in that sense, like whatever the average value is, um, or the overall value, I should say, like that I think is a price point that makes sense. I'm a little apprehensive about giving him like a twenty million dollar year contract. I don't know if that's prohibitive, but I do feel like that's a little bit of an overpay. So it'll be interesting to see what they end up giving him and what he ends up getting because um, he feels like an integral part of the team. And they, I mean, look, like they fucking 
went off once they got him. I mean, they were like yep. basically the best team in the East almost. Um, so he definitely is important to them, but you don't want to put, you don't want to overpay for a guy who is at the end of the day, like a role player. Uh, yeah. so like they have to be careful with that. And obviously like, and to your point about running it back, like, you know, with, you, you don't want to burn a Brunson year, right? Like you don't want to burn one of the nice low, like the, the effectively like the high value contract you got, like you don't want to burn one of those seasons, but you also, and like, this is, I've had a lot of debates with people on Twitter about this. Cause like, I'm, and I'm, I'm like always of this mindset. So like, I, I'm generally risk averse when it comes to like making big asset plays in the, in the NBA. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, I'm of the opinion, like, Hey, like if, Take a shot. If something is there, take a shot. But like, if you operate from the perspective of we have to make something happen because we have this Brunson contract, that's that's where it gets dicey. Like, I think you should be open to to anything, but you mm-hmm. also should not feel obligated to it just because of this value contract. You need to like let things play out, and you need to let the opportunities come to you in some ways and not force it. Because like, the Knicks are not in a window right now where you're like. If they don't get it done in the next two years, like when are they going to get it done? Like they ha- they have some time, and two years is also like a long fucking time. Like that's not a lot could happen in one year, a little yeah. less too. So right, and I think that's that's the best way to put it. Is like we like a year a year ago we were all sitting here like wow like where how are we going to get better? How, what is the ceiling of this team? We don't have enough talent. Blah blah blah. And now a year since like we're like wow like are we one of the better teams in the East? Like, and I still believe this. Like, I think, I think if Tibbs coaches a better series against Miami, we should win that series. And who knows, maybe we are in the NBA finals. So like, I think there's a lot that's, that's out there and available to the Knicks. And also the East is just fucking open. Like, I think the East is there. If you are prudent and judicious about how you go about this. That Well, it's because now you said, like we talk about the two year window, you have to think the teams around you, Orlando's probably on an upward trajectory, but teams on an upward trajectory, you have to eventually get through that hump to really skyrocket. They're very much a case of that. I think Atlanta will bounce back, and they're a young team also, and I like Snyder a lot as a coach, so I think he should be able to carve out and figure out things. Then you look at the rest of the East, it's just like, I expect Cleveland to regress. Just based off how they had that postseason versus us, I really think they're going to take... Some weird vibes. Yeah, exactly, because like, Allen didn't play really well, just like a deer in headlights. A little bit same with Mobley, and then Mitchell was like playing for us at that point. <laughs> every every comment after, he's like, "Oh man, I went to the Garden. It was awesome. Game three. Yeah, you were supposed to suit up and play, man." Yeah, I know. But uh, I mean, he at least he's 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 doing his off season. Uh, I'm a Mets fan thing right now, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you look at the entire landscape of the East, and just players that you know players are getting older. Head coaching shit. Every look at Toronto. Toronto two, three, four years ago they won the title. Yep. And now they're very much stuck in a place of like, oh, do we tear it down, rebuild? Do we retool? Like, attempt to retool on the fly? Even even some of the good teams, right? Like Boston, they they're probably gonna have to supermax Jalen Brown if they keep him. And, and that's the other thing. If they don't, if they don't supermax him, where's he going? Yeah, like I mean, and what, what are you gonna do with the return? Yeah, and uh, and also like if you don't like the thing that's so weird is they so they have like. There's there's this range, right, where it's like, okay, you don't need to supermax him, but you can give him a deal above the regular max, and like you can go five years. But like if you, it's one of those weird things, right, where it's like, 
if I'm Jalen Brown and you don't super max me, like, like I'm like, why not? Yeah, what the fuck? Like, what? Are, what why are you not super maxing me? So they have, and like, look, the way their season ended was all fucking weird. Um, they they have shit to deal with too, and it's like we don't know what these teams are gonna like. We don't know what Boston's gonna do, and Miami, like, yeah, great playoff run. At the end of the day, they were a forty-three win team in the regular season, wherever the hell it was, and they have a lot of like cap shit to figure out like are they gonna let like i and i know they always find undrafted guys but you gotta remember like guys like gabe vincent and max truce like yeah they're undrafted guys that they developed and whatever but like it, they didn't just develop overnight like they're guys that, that's the thing yeah they, they put time into them so if you let a guy like Struce walk which i think they'll end up doing um because i do think they're gonna end up with bradley beal which we'll talk about but like yeah, I was in yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I think that like so if you let Struce walk, that's fine. But like there's all these weird things that you have they have to plan out. I mean, it's just it's just that for every team in the East, nobody I mean, and this is always the case, like the title team is always kinda like, Oh yeah, we we've got everything lined up and it's like, you know, Denver's its own thing. But the East feels like very much in flux. Um to your point, like Philly's already changed their coach, right? Like we know that you know, uh, Harden might not be back. Yeah, Hard, Harden could not be back. Um, you know, Toronto is its own. Like they had a terrible season, and they obviously changed their coach, who apparently is there to like develop young talent. So maybe that's something they they pivot into. Um, Cleveland. I mean, Siakam's gone then. Yeah, it could mean Siakam's they they trade. Cleveland is Cleveland's just in a weird spot where it's like those four guys are pretty young, and they should all get better theoretically, but like what the fuck else do they have on the roster? And they don't have other ways to improve, really, because they... Well, head coaching, they could improve. Yeah. That, that would be the biggest staple, honestly, if they improve head coaching, because then you look at the four young pieces they have around them, you're like, well, you get a good coach, and, and it's not a problem at all. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and yeah, it's it's like... It, it, dude, the coaching can definitely improve, but it's like their roster, you just look at it, and you're like, okay, you have the mid-level exception, but you don't have any picks to trade because you gave up everything yep. for Mitchell... And, like, mm-hmm. this is, I think this is what you're talking about, like, flexibility, right? Like, they can't, they're not flexible because the guys that they, that actually have trade value for them are also their core pieces. So, like, yeah, I think there's a world where they trade Jared Allen this summer, and maybe they should because, look, he, he got embarrassed in that playoff series. Mitch absolutely yep. destroyed him. That was, I mean, there, there's no other way to put it other than that was total domination. Um, but, like, Jared Allen's still a good player, especially in the regular season. So if you trade him, what are you trading him for? And then are you moving Mobley to the five now full time? Like, is he ready for that? There's all kinds of things they need to consider. So um, they're in an interesting position. And like, again, the East in general, I'm just like, I look around and I'm like, this is why I think the Knicks, they need to find, and and this this front office has been good about it, where it's like, Mm -hmm. they don't want to tank, but they also don't want to be too aggressive about trying to add win now pieces or improve their win totals or whatever. Um, so I think like they need to walk that line where it's like, Hey, look, like we had a good season, but we want to get better. But we also know that like, we don't need to sacrifice. We don't need to make some huge asset play to improve or, or to be a good team. We're already a good team. How to, how do we now, what, what are the caliber of guys that can bridge the divide between where we are now and being a true contender. And, like, I think the list of those guys is just a lot smaller than, like, what a lot of, what, what I think a lot of Knicks fans 
seem to believe where it's like like i'm not sure like there's always like you know we talked about cat like there's always this thing like oh cat like i'm like I, is this cat like where does cat get us like is he better than randall i don't know um no not at all yeah i don't think so i, I mean you put you just put basketball aside it's a completely different thing also yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not like a personal hate. Like you, he's not built to be a leader. No offense to him. Like we've seen it for the last five, six years. You know, he's probably not built to be a leader. And you're playing in a big market where you know I give Randall a lot of stick, but he's very much he at least earnestly tries, even on his bad days. He's very much a you know I went out and I tried to do my thing the best of my ability. I mean, he gets more out of his talent. Like, Carl Anthony Towns, let's not forget, when this guy got drafted, people were talking about him like generational talent. I mean, I remember when they do those executive polls before the season, and it was like, for two years in a row, I think he was the guy that GMs picked as like the guy you would want to build your franchise around moving forward. Yeah, yeah. And like, you, it's, you can't say he's maximized his talent. Randall, for whatever it's worth, like, it's, it's hard to say that Randall hasn't, gotten the most out of his abilities um does he frustrate the shit out of me yes absolutely but like to your point again like there's something about there's something to the idea of like if you're trying and and if your culture that you've established and trying to establish is a level of like we're just a bunch of like basketball dudes who try really hard and try to get the most out of our abilities which is generally what i think like this next team is get like you know is Carl Anthony Towns the right guy for that? I don't think so. You know, is and then the, you look at other names that are out there, the big names this offseason. It's like Bradley Beal. Do do I if I'm the Knicks, do I want to go trade for Bradley Beal on a no trade clause, making over fifty million a year? Like probably not. Do I? Well, see, that's the, that's the one I was thinking about when you said Knicks have to kind of take a risk. I think that was like one of the I don't want to say safer names because you have to understand. Beal controls his destination. He's got the no-trade clause. I think Washington will respect him enough after the last eight, nine, ten years to put him in a scenario where, you know, he wants to be. Yeah, and, and even if not, he can just be like, I don't care. I'm not going there. Like, <laughs> Yeah, either I'm playing here or I want to play in XYZ, right. wherever it is. So when I was really thinking about it, and I, I know his contract is brutal, but I said to myself, if it's a scenario, and Katz reported it also, and... If it's a scenario where the Knicks are basically throwing away Rose, Fournier, giving Washington their first back, which seemingly might never convey for us. <laughs> that's a real, No. Yeah. It, no you look not. at all those picks we have. It's it's very much a case of like, well, if it conveys, it's like 12 to 20, which is cool. It's always nice to have a first round pick. Always nice to have an asset, right? You could do anything with it. Use it for yourself. Use it as a trade ship. But if they're not going to convey where they're like seconds and whatever. So that Washington pick is probably worth more to Washington than anyone. Mm -hmm. Because it comes back into their hand, they can use it, they can start trading future first, whatever. So the the scenario where I look at it, it's like, well, if we give Rose, Fournier, maybe Toppin, whose pathway to the lineup right now is kind of blocked between Randall, right. and I'm sure you could just go out and free agency, sign like a stretch, you know, an athletic forward run the floor, and give him the first back, it's really not that bad of value. I know the contract is brutal, but what's what's left on it? Like three or four years? It's four years about... 200 million whatever the hell it is um yeah. i can find the cap that's here so the the thing to me is like i don't actually if it was just like get get go get beal for a cut price i would be okay with that my issue yeah. is that like so if he gets traded his no trade clause still exists so like if in two years time 
you're like, okay, this team, we need to make a move. Bradley Beal's contract is like the best thing to move because of its value, like the, the price on it. And we want to level up to like get a Devin Booker who would be making 50, 60 million at that time too. Yeah. Um, like if you're like, okay, Brad, we're going to trade you. He can be like, no, you're not. <laughs> you're, that's funny. It's funny you bring yeah. that up because you're not going to trade me. Um, and I, I like worry about that because Look, we know, like you just mentioned Brad Beal. I mean, he's been in Washington for like however long, nine, ten years. He's been there for years where how many times have people been like, oh, my God, like, why doesn't he want to leave? He should try to leave. He should get the fuck out. And he just hasn't because I think he's like he's comfortable in D.C. Like he's happy there, whatever. So he's not a guy who's like actively. This is not like a Harden or like a Durant, right, where he's like yeah. looking for situations. He's OK being where he's at. And so if he waives his no-trade clause, which I imagine he's going to do this offseason, he might do it in, like, the next week, um, he's going to do that, I would assume, just based on how he's operated, under the premise of, like, the place I'm waiving my no-trade clause to for this this trade is a place I want to be at for the duration of my contract. And, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and, like, so I, my worry is if you trade for him, it's like you're locked in, like this is your guy for however long his contract is. Whereas yeah. a guy like basically anybody else in the NBA who doesn't have a no-trade clause, and he's the only guy in the NBA with a no-trade clause. So everybody else in the NBA, whether they're bad contracts, good contracts, whatever, there's a way to move them that is under your control entirely as a team. Whereas Beal is the, I mean, he's like the one guy in the NBA who could basically be like, any soccer player in the transfer window where it's like, yeah. it's really great that you guys figured out a price and you, you sold me, but guess what? I don't want to go. Like I, I like, I like staying where I'm at. Yeah, Like I, I'm happy where I'm at. So it's, it's tough with Beal. And like, I think that's why Miami is the place that he ends up because they are in cap hell in a way. And they are limited in, in their ability to add top end talent. And like Beal just gives them, a rare opportunity where it's like, yeah, we have to risk this no trade clause, but Beal is better. He's he gives us a third guy who can really like do shit with the ball, basically, and yeah. and that was a big limitation for them throughout the regular season. Um, and ultimately, like in the finals, you could kind of see that okay, Butler doesn't have it going. Bam, is it like we're just running our offense through Bam, and like that's it? Like they don't. And they need that third guy. I think Beal gives them a third guy. Also, I mean, I think Beal's window kind of reminds me of Jimmy's window, where he goes to Miami. He's got the four years left on him. Jimmy's his fourth year in Miami now. You know that fourth or fifth year at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been there now. What he left in twenty nineteen after they yeah. lost to the Raptors. Um, so yeah, like it's literally been four years. That's crazy. The that's the way I look at it. Beal is very much like in that same mindset where like, oh, I like Miami enough where I'll hitch my wagon to this for the remainder of my big contract or even career at this point. So, I mean, I think that move does make sense for them. But like I was saying, if we can get a cut rate Beal, even with the, con I mean, I know like that whole scary aspect that you did mention where say, you know, he's an expiring contract or like 18 months left on his contract, a year and a half, and we want to move him. He's like, nah, I feel like staying. Then we're stuck because of that no trade clause. That I mean, that is kind of a time bomb hanging on both parties' heads. So, if you don't want to take it on because of that reason, I do get it because it cuts into everything we've been saying about flexibility. Yeah, it, it, that's that's really the main thing for me. Is like the 
the Knicks are just in a they're in a good position because they have flexibility. And at some point, you do have to make a play that maybe locks you into something that's a little bit more rigid. But you like I think the they need to be careful about what that thing is and they have been careful to this to this point so far, uh, which is a credit to them and like honestly, if you told me that 3 years ago they would pass on a Donovan Mitchell trade and like pass on these various stars that have moved in that time, I would have been a little bit surprised. And I think they've, it's weird, but it's, it's kind of funny actually, because Leon Rose gets hired. He was not an executive, right? He's like basically the Ari gold of the NBA. And yeah. so you're expecting him to come in and it's like, Oh, it's going to be the Knicks thing where it's like, we're just going to trade for two stars and like, we're going to do the mellow thing all over again. And he hasn't done that. They've actually been like really patient. They've been, not perfect, but they've been prudent. They've been careful. They've been cautious at times. Um, Very good structure of roster building, honestly, by Rose and staff. Because you have to look. We built really nicely through the draft. Grimes top in uh, I, yeah, quickly. Right there alone. Three key pieces mm-hmm. through our draft. Yeah, and, and I think the other, like, one one thing I think a lot of GMs get in trouble with is when you come in to a new to a situation you're like I want to make this my roster. I want to put my imprint on the roster. And that's fine. Like you you need to, but that also doesn't need to mean you get rid of everything that was there before you got there. And so like what they did, right? And and if you look at this roster, it's very much their roster, right? But they kept RJ Barrett. So I mean he's here at least so far. He's he they've they've kept him on the roster. Yeah. They extended and they extended him. They extended Mitchell Robinson. So so like they got a lay of the land. They got like, okay, let's evaluate the roster. And they've they've picked and, and they kept Randall. Randall wasn't their guy. They didn't sign yep. him. Like they he was there. They've kept those three pieces. And then they've been like, okay, how can we improve the roster around these guys? And like for me personally, there are times that's been frustrating because like I'm just so over Julius in a lot of ways. But I also yep. appreciate that like it's easy for me to be over Julius Randle because my fucking job's on the line. I'm not putting, I'm, I got no skin in the game. But like, if I'm in the business of I want to win basketball games, it's a risk, obviously, to lose a guy who's been as productive as he's been in the regular seasons, at least. Um, and honestly, I mean, he's had what two All NBA, two All Star seasons. Yeah, two out of the last three yeah. years. So like, it's it's easy to just be like, we should move Julius, and that's what I think is like the best thing for us. But sure, but like, what are you getting for him? And I think they have managed to, um, you know, are they, I think, are they open to, I think they're open to trading anybody in the roster other than Brunson, which I am yeah. fine with. Um, but like, they don't view these guys as like, I, I think the best way to put it is they don't, they don't ever feel obligated. Like we have to do this thing. Oh yeah. So that's the biggest thing. It's not like they're not, whether you want to call it pressure expectations, they're very much like, Oh, we've done this really good so far, three years running, and let's just keep doing what we're doing. There's no re- reason to like rock the boat. Any sense? Yeah, or like, yeah, they they just don't they don't need to. They feel like okay, we don't need to do this thing right now. Like, if we want to, yeah. if we want to make a move, that move we will wait for the price and for what we want to come available. Like that's like what they did with Brunson, effectively. Where it's like, I think for if you look at the moves they made, the first two off seasons they were here, like. They clearly understood that point guard had been, was a was a major need, right? And yep. so, like, okay, yes, they bring back Alfred Payton, but they drafted quickly that year. 
And then the next offseason, they move on from Peyton, and they sign Kemba, and they drafted Deuce. Like, Deuce, obviously, I mean, Deuce, for where he's drafted, I think he's been, a, he's been fine. Um, but he's not a point guard yet. And Kemba, obviously, that didn't work out. But they didn't make some huge play on Kemba, right? And they move on from yeah. Kemba, and then they get Brunson. So, like, they, they've understood that, like, I think they know where the problem areas are in terms of where they can improve the roster. But they are a little bit more like, let's we can let's take a shot here. Let's 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 take a risk on this guy, and they and they take their time. And I think they have been patient about. Okay, we need to make this better, but we also don't need it to be better in the best way possible right this second. Like we can play around and we can explore our options. You know the thing about the Knicks front office, the way the best way I could describe their front office is everything is a calculated risk. Yes. Because there's, there's just a flat out risk, which is, you know, you taking on like towns or you taking on like, uh, oh, let's just give it, let's give it a shot with Gobert. Like just something completely out of left field. Everything they're doing is under the impression of like, well, if it doesn't work out, this is only what we've given up. This is our out to it. Mm-hmm. You you can't like the Kemba Walker deal is a perfect example of a calculated risk. It was two, what was it, like two years, sixteen million, something like that. So the out on that was, oh, if he doesn't work out, he's only one year, eight mil. A lot of teams will take that as an expiring; they won't care. Uh, what was the other? The Noel deal that we got yep. into, that whole offseason that we completely wiped out in one move was all calculated risk in the sense that like low money, low years. It worked for us. It, it was basically running it back to some degree. And they were like, okay, if it doesn't work, we're out. Right. No biggie. Now, I have a name for you, and you tell me what you feel. Joel Embiid. Uh, so I'll tell you this. I know the Knicks made an offer for Embiid after the season. Um, I, I don't know it was like – or I'll say this. It wasn't – it was an offer where, like, if you if they took it, you'd be like, okay. Like, like you're drunk with your buddies. You're just talking shit, yeah, and you make an offer, yeah, I like, feel. And they're like – and it was – and what happened? And and they were told like the Sixers basically told them under no circumstances are we trading Joel Embiid this offseason. Thank you for your interest. Basically, kind of deal. Like we're not doing yeah. it. And um, so like Embiid is so hard for me to 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 evaluate because like on just pure talent and like whatever. Like look, did he deserve to win MVP this year? I don't really care about that discussion. But like mm-hmm. he is a top. 10 player in the NBA. He has yep. MVP caliber talent. He's had MVP caliber seasons. Um, whether you agree with him winning this year or not, he's had MVP caliber seasons. So in a vacuum, it's like, of course that's a guy you should trade for. But you also just like need to look at look at some point, I just don't know what to do with a guy who, as talented as he is, can't get out of the second round. And yeah. is some of that injury related? Of course. Like he, you know, he's he's been injured, he's had some bad luck. Ben Simmons can't dunk the ball all of a sudden. Like there's shit that happens that isn't necessarily under his control. But if you're always like there's always something with him. There's always something he gets in the playoffs and he fucking hurts his knee, his fucking he tears a ligament in his hand, his face gets broken. Like it's always something with him and yeah, those injuries aren't linked, and they're not necessarily chronic injuries, but it does feel like maybe there's something about his play style that's just conducive to injury. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, is he a guy like this? 
this whole like I concept of like oh when you trade like you have to make these all in moves to get a guy, I I I thought that was like a pretty stupid and dangerous place that like trade value is going to where it's like look I get these guys in a vacuum are worth this price maybe, but mm-hmm. if you can't now make moves to complement them and and tinker with your roster around them, that doesn't really make sense to me. And with this new CBA coming in where, like, you know, there's all these various trade restrictions when you hit certain aprons and and all that type of stuff, I think that the value of what stars are worth in trade comes down a bit in a year or two. And, like, I think you're already going to see it this offseason. You know, this Beal thing, like, yeah, of course him having a no trade clause is part of, like, why you can maybe get him on a lower value deal uh, in terms of what you'd have to give up. But like, I think it's also because that number that he's on, that fifty million a year, whatever, it's a lot more prohibitive moving into this new CBA than it was under the last one, where it was like the worst case scenario is you would have to sign a big luxury tax payment. It had nothing to do; it doesn't restrict you from anything. Like, okay, you have the taxpayer mid level instead of the full mid level, but you're not restricted in trade. You're not restricted with anything else. Um, it's very much like baseball in a sense at that point, right. where it's just like you have to cut a check for the luxury tax. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so, like, I am like the Embiid thing is interesting because I think in maybe a year or two, like, what is considered a major price for a star is different than what is a major price right now. So, like, Am I in- well, we have to remember the market was very much tainted because of Ainge. Yes, I mean those two trades he did. Every like that really sent the benchmark. Where it's like, oh, you're giving us like two, two and a half starters and four firsts. It's become the benchmark yeah, for trades. Yeah. Durant, uh, both Mitchell and Gobert. Anything going forward that seems to be like, oh, this is what we want. This is what we yeah, need. Give give us your like all your flexibility, and that's that's what you give us. And it's like I I, I mean even like the Dejounte Murray trade last summer where it's like, is he a good player for sure? Two unprotected firsts and a, and a protected yeah, first no, and a sorry. pick swap, like that's wild to me. And I'm just like, I, I just when when I saw that trade go down, I was just like, I, I was just like, man, this fucking trade market is insane. Like you, like I people were so upset we didn't jump into the sweepstakes. I'm like, for what? <laughs> At what point is Deontay Murray worth that? Like, no knock on him, very good player, but that's like a borderline franchise altering move where it's like you're giving up your flexibility for the future, and you're like, oh, we're gonna win within the next two to three years with this guy. Yeah, and it's just like it's just like the Knicks were not in a position to make that type of gamble on anybody. Yeah. I, I really like okay if it's Giannis, sure, but like these guys we're talking about, you know, like Dejounte Murray, absolutely not. Donovan Mitchell, really, really good player. Is he? No, he's not at that level. I don't think we're done with that chapter either. To be honest, oh no, with you. I I don't think so either. And I actually think like I next, I think he will be a Nick by either next February or next off season latest next off season seems like a pretty interesting time because so he'll be an expiring contract at that point and i don't like oh look he can say whatever he wants like he's like oh i grew up a Cavs fan like all right dude i'm sure you grew up a fucking Cavs fan living in like greenwich like give me a break dude you're not a fucking Cavs fan um like you were a lebron fan that's what you were you were not a Cavs fan um and so like he's expiring contract i like rj i i think they need to be careful about what they do with him but like i it seems to me anyway that they're they they feel that he is like the guy that you can improve on the easiest in the rotation um Mm -hmm. and 
Well, him and Randall, technically. Yeah, yeah. And but like I, well, my guess, like this is just I don't yeah. actually have any intel on this, but like my guess would be Randall. Look, he's had two All NBA seasons. That speaks mm-hmm. for itself. RJ is like, look, he, I thought his season this year was bad. Like his regular season was flat out. I was just like watching him yep. on certain nights, and I'm like. What are we doing here? Like, are you? We we all saw the same. Yeah. We all saw the same game. We were all very frustrated watching him. Yeah, he's just like, and you're like, are you moving? Are you good? Like, what's happening? Um, and I just wonder if they're like, and 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 to this point, like, RJ is not their guy. Like, they did not draft him. They like, yes, they've kept him. They've developed him. They extended him. But I think that's like them protecting the asset versus them being like, you're our guy now. Like, we are. We're totally committed to you. I don't think that's the case. There's a reason why he was involved. His name was like the big name that was involved in Donovan Mitchell trade talks. It's because they yep. were open to moving him. Um, but like clearly, the fact that he was involved in those Mitchell trade talks in a way that you know you got to remember going back to last summer, the report was they were involved. Or sorry, he, his name was like included, but Grimes was somebody they were very hesitant to include, or more hesitant to include. And yep. I think that says something. And it also just says to me that they view, whether right or wrong, I don't know how I totally feel about this, that in terms of role and positionally, Donovan Mitchell would slide into the R.J. Barrett spot in the rotation lineup, whatever. That's a little bit of a small team. Obviously, Brunson, you know, Gr- uh, Mitchell, Grimes, like that's not a huge one-to-three lineup. But like they obviously feel... At least there's a world where they would have been comfortable with that. So if you it's a lineup they conceive at least, yeah, I mean, look, that's a that's a lineup that like say whatever you want about the defensive issues, but offensively, like that would be a very explosive team. Your spacing would be awesome. Um, that that has that's very that's a very much also a Gerson thing where he wants to play explosive, fast, basically outscore you and then run back on defense. Yeah, I mean, his, his entire thing in in Minnesota was like you know that's why they made the. D'Angelo Russell trade when they made it, uh, which obviously, look, that was not a great trade. But, you know, he's Gerson is interesting because I think he's done some good things. It, I mean, he did some good things in Minnesota. Like, the Jaden McDaniels pick was legitimately awesome. And they did. They also got Nas Reed. I think he might have been an, like an undrafted free agent, if I remember. We're, we're linked to him, by the way, Nas yeah, Reed. Yeah, I like And I, w- I wouldn't mind him at all. I think he's a very good rotational piece. Yeah, if you're, if you're going to move on from Obi, which, like, I don't. I I like Obi. I think that he's had a really shitty time in New York because yeah. Tibbs and him are just like so. Like what he is good at and what he needs are not necessarily things that Tibbs wants to do. So yep. I get it. Um, but like, if that's the case, you, get it. you should probably just move on this offseason. But getting getting some assets back from getting a first round pick wouldn't be the worst case for Obi. Yeah, you're not going to nail. Like it sucks because he was your eighth overall pick. And that's annoying mm-hmm. that you didn't get more out of that pick, um, yeah. but like that's a sunk cost. Like it's it is what it is. It's over. Yeah, I don't I don't want to cry about that anymore. I want to just cry about what we get from him now going forward and how that helps the team. Yeah, I mean, like, look, like we've the Knicks have burned a lot of picks, right? Like they the Frank was the eighth overall pick. Knox is the ninth overall pick. Like we know, like. Look, I don't think they. I don't. I'm not going to say that they burned the RJ pick, but RJ Barrett, third overall pick. You're probably hoping like he's looking like a perennial all-star potentially at this point. Hey, he stayed out of trouble. Give him that much. <laughs> look at, look at, look at pick one and look at pick two. He stayed out of trouble. That's my, that's my 2019 first round pick. Yeah, no, I, look, it actually is like it, the one thing about this entire roster is like, 
it's actually really nice having a Knicks team where like they leave for the off season, and I'm just like, nothing stupid is probably going to happen here. They're probably not going to get yeah. into any trouble. The dumbest thing that might happen is that Mitch is going to post something like stupid on Snapchat about his like cars or something. That, what do you think about Mitch, by the way? I love Mitch, um, but I'll, I'll throw this back to you. I love Mitch. I think he has real value, but I. If your guys, if your guys that you're committed to, and to some extent I think it's true, they're definitely committed to Brunson. Brunson is 100% their guy. I would be like, as long as Leon Rose is here, Jalen Brunson is never leaving. That's just yep. a fact. Um, mm-hmm. And that's fine. He's awesome. He kind of deserves that right now. Yeah. I think Randall, to a certain extent, is their guy also. So if those are your two guys, you need a center. Like in the regular season, Mitch is fine. In the first round of the playoffs, I think he's fine. But as you go deeper and deeper into the playoffs, I think there are real limitations with what Mitch can do, especially next to the guys that you're trying to get the most out of offensively anyway. Defensively, mm-hmm. he was really good throughout the playoffs, and that's fine. But like, I think you need a little bit more of a versatile offensive center. And what, what we talked about um, on our podcast last Friday was, like, look... I think, like, I really think there's a, an argument and a good argument for bringing back uh, the prodigal son, Kristaps, uh, to New York. Let me tell you something, man. If you tell me right now, trade high on Mitch, because his value will never be higher. His value will his never be higher. His contract is really He's good, still, too. It's descending. It, it's a descending contract. He had a great first-round series. You can argue he was playing injured the second mm-hmm. round. Just chalk it up. Say he had the hip injury. Because he even mentioned himself he was battling through the hip injury during Miami. Well, you saw it in, in game one. Fucking Vincent went out of his way to like... It was I couldn't believe it. He literally just drove into his hip. And they called up yeah. Alan Mitch. And I'm like, what the hell? I, that fucking Miami team. I'm so happy they lost. Like, if they had won a championship, I would have been... Like, this offseason would have been the worst place in the entire world. That would have been Pat Rat's <laughs> black magic. You can't even chalk it up to anything else, man. That guy has the voodoo. But no, I'm very... Like, listen, I love Mitch. I Like you said, he's a regular season great player. There's definitely a sell-high and upgrade window on him. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, what he does... Like, if it's not a pick-and-roll to the basket and a chuck-up to the basket for him, where he has an instant lay-in or dunk, what's he doing? He gets the foul line. He's shooting 40 50%. You saw that Miami series completely where they were like, all right, we're going to foul him. What are you guys going to do about it? Right. There's very much limitations to his game. He's de- Defensively, he's great. Don't get it wrong. But if you can improve on him, which I think we can, his contract is very friendly. His health is still relatively there. Just cash out on him. Sell high. Sell high on him. And I'm very much into that Porzingis trade. I know, obviously, he left on the worst of terms, but he... He said nothing but nice things about the Knicks, and like oh, he regrets. Obviously, it. It was he a, regrets. It. He, he he regrets it, and it was his. It was completely his brother pulling the strings for that thing. But he realizes that, like, a New York was a market to be for him. B, his brother really like screwed him over, took him out of that, and like, oh, I have your best interest at heart. Oh, like this, and not for nothing, the fit's very good for us. He stretches the floor out. He can protect the rim. He can shoot the three. What else? And he moves well in transition. So, what else do we want? Yeah, I look. I I'm totally there, and like we saw this in the playoffs too, where it was like, look, do I think that there's some stuff with how we played in the playoffs offensively that, like, if you look at Tibbs's career as a coach, he's just historically 
his teams have historically dropped off offensively in the playoffs. And like you look at how we played, we were the third best offensive team in the league this year by offensive rating in the regular season. And mm-hmm. I don't think that was like unearned, but I do feel it was a little like there's ways to win in the regular season that aren't as effective in the playoffs when teams can game plan for you every single game and you're keyed in and everybody knows what you're doing and there's game plan specific like you know tactics and shit like that um like you know just being a low turnover team and winning the offensive rebounding battle and like you know getting to the line a bunch that can win you a lot of regular season games and it can make you a very efficient regular season offense but i think in the playoffs especially um in that miami series we saw what the limitations were and if yeah, some of that I do believe is just like I think Tibbs is not creative as a coach. Like I watch, you know, I watch a guy like Jalen Brunson and he's awesome. He's amazing. But I'm like, I think there's more that you can do with him than just like run 75 pick and rolls a game. Like you can do more with him than that. You can use him as an off ball threat. You can have him run off screens. You can put the ball in other guys' hands. Like there's, you know, I was listening to Doc Rivers uh, on Bill Simmons' podcast after the after the after game five of the finals and Mm -hmm. they asked him about Harden and he talked a little bit about like, you know, his, like the issues that they had um, where he wanted to play one way and Harden wanted to play a different way. And one thing he mentioned, which, you know, a lot of coaches have talked about this and this is a thing that he also referenced like Michael Jordan in this about how Michael Jordan had to change and, and how he benefited from Phil coming in and putting in the triangle was like your best player is your best player. That's great. Like at the end of the game, she's going to have the ball in his hands all the time. And, um, you know, he, he also brought up a Bill Russell quote where he's like, we can't win if nobody else can be great. And, and it, the idea being like your best player needs to play in a way that allows other guys, the opportunity to be great. And so like watching the way we play, it always, it really feels like, okay, whoever has the ball in their hands is the guy who has to make shit happen. Whereas, like, yep. I'm not saying, like, you know, you don't need to be Golden State or something, but if you watch Golden State, right, it's like, it's never the guy with the ball in his hands. It's like Steph coming off the screen. It's Clay coming off pin down. It's whatever the hell it is, right? And I don't think there's any of that in our offense. So, tactically, do I think Tibbs is the best coach? No. But if he's the coach you're sticking with, then you need to give him guys that open up your offense in in as much as you can open up the offense given his tactical approach. And so like a guy like Kristaps, you know, are you going to be as good of an offensive rebounding team or even a defensive rebounding team? Probably not. But are you now going to all of a sudden, like, man, like we never saw Jalen Brunson this year with an offense that had the ability to go five out and really stretch out defenses. And he was as good as he was. What can he do in that? And like, what can RJ Barrett do in that scenario? What could a Randall do in that scenario? Uh, I think those are really worthwhile considerations. And again, like I just think Kristaps is like, like you're you're not going to be able to get Nikola Jokic ever. You're not going to be able to get Joel Embiid at least not right now. You're probably not going to be able to get Anthony Davis. And even if you were able to, are you sure you want to take the roll of the dice there, given his injury history yep. and kind of his age and all that type of shit? I think Kristaps comes with his own injury history. But he also is probably available at like a price that is below what he's genuinely worth when he's healthy. Like, and and you know we talked. He'll probably come in. He'll probably come in at that Randall number. Yeah, the the number will be okay. 
And more importantly, like, like there's an idea that he opts into the final year of his contract and they trade him. Like, I have no idea what he's worth in trade because I just have no clue. Like, he's had such a weird career, right? Where he's like, he's this awesome young guy in New York. We trade him kind of, if you think about it, close to his apex value. Um, mm-hmm. And then he goes to Dallas. He has another injury. He's It doesn't work with him and Luka. And then they dump him for just like Dinwiddie and Bertans. Literally, that was the deal. Yeah. And then he goes to Washington. He's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. But if you watched him this year, he was really good. And like uh, he just offers you something that not a lot of guys in the league can. Like you mentioned it. Like his, he's a genuinely good rim protector. And he is a guy that like he's not just a center who shoots threes. He's a center that teams don't want to concede threes to. Like that's a very different thing, right? Like yeah, like it's a totally different conversation where it's like he's, he's an actual three-point shooter yeah. that's the best way to put it it's not like oh he's sitting at the perimeter maybe we should put a man on him. like no you should probably plan for him to go to the corner go to the wing go to the top of the key and he if he gets 10 attempts a night he's hitting between three and four so that's 12 points he's dropping on you if you don't guard him yeah bare minimum yep and and he's he's like a he was really efficient this year he's like 62 63 two shooting um he's become a lot better like one of the things that was super frustrating when he was in new york was like you know, we just play the fucking Celtics, and then they'd be like, "Okay, we're just going to switch everything." And Marcus Smart will be able to lock him up. Like he can actually punish those mismatches now uh, in the post. Like he wasn't able to do that in New York. That was a huge issue for him when he was younger. He's really improved that element of his game. And like, look I, again, I love Mitch. If they didn't want to do anything at the center position, I'm fine with that because I think like that's a reasonable choice. But when you look at some of these teams as you go later in the playoffs, it's really it becomes more difficult when you have a guy on the floor that really doesn't pose any threat offensively aside from like, okay, we just had to put a body on him to keep him off the glass. But like yeah. Mitch can't handle the ball, he can't pass, he can't distribute, like he can't shoot. Fucking God knows that. So it it just changes a lot of things. Like it's a lot harder to load like I was Super critical of Randall in the playoffs, and I, I look. I was so disappointed, and forget like I know he was injured. That that part of it, you know, his offensive efficiency is one thing, but the effort and all that type of stuff, very very disappointing. But I'm very much in the same boat. Yeah. I'm very vocal about that too. Like you watch, like not running back on defense. I know you're injured, but like the body language is just terrible. Sometimes it really makes you like, come on, man. Like you're supposed to be one of the leaders on the team, and it, that was the same issue with our regression in 2022. Yeah. You could see it every night. The body language is pissed. It's just like, what do you? What's going on, man? Like, you gotta tell. If there's something wrong, I would get it. If it's like, but if, if it's just like, yeah. if it's just like you quitting, just being like, like <laughs> how? I, if if I started a counter for 2022, 20, like any season, where how many times he just did this on a turnover? I just, I probably have like a. If I had a dollar for each of those, I'd have at least a grand, <laughs> at least. But yeah, no, like, and it's it's look, I the Randall thing is just its own fucking. It, it's it's yeah, so hard to discuss that guy because he's so talented and he's so important to the team. But you're also like, I would probably not be the most upset person in the world if we traded him. Um, but like, so here's here's my real question: Looking at like, because you mentioned how like the Knicks brass will upgrade, seemingly in a window of opportunity or like a window of reason, spot by spot. So if Brunson were locked down, we don't have to worry about that. That's good. Mitchell, like we talked about, maybe he's next offseason. So if the focus shifts now to, say, upgrading at center, upgrading 
basically the four or five to varying degrees, whether it's depth, whether it's starting. If I told you we could get Chris Tapps in, uh, Nazareth in, Toppin we'd get a first round pick for, and Mitch we send for like a first and something yeah, else. Or Mitch maybe goes on the KP deal or something. Yeah, something like that. How would you feel about that? I would be pretty okay with that. I'd be pretty happy about it. I mean, look, if they got Porzingis, like, I would be really, really, really happy because I genuinely feel like, look, they've been, this front office is pretty interesting to me the way they operate because, like, like you know this, like, there was, like, when once, you know, Hinky gets hired in, in Philly and it felt like overnight, Everybody on like you know NBA media, NBA Twitter, whatever, it became this whole thing of like, well, like if you're not if you're in the middle, like you should just blow it up and you should tank and you should accumulate picks and like that's the only way you can really like build it up. And I think that was like it's true in some ways, but like it's it's the Moneyball thing, right? Where the mm-hmm. actual thing, what is Moneyball, is not oh like everybody should do this one specific strategy. It's okay. This strategy is effective right now because nobody is doing it. So once everybody else starts doing it, now you have to look for, okay, this is no longer the high value proposition. Where is the value? What are the, what are teams not doing that where, where we can find value? And I'm not saying like they are fucking like this front office is somehow like next generation stuff, but they have looked for value and they've operated in a way that is not traditional. That is not like, what you expect look they came in the Knicks were a 21 and 45 team at the time the consensus opinion was like they don't really have anything to build around uh like a, a true centerpiece and they ha- which is true our cupboard was completely bare yeah we had picks yeah don't get it wrong but that roster when they came in was just rj and randall that's it yeah and mitch and it's like okay and, they, and even then at that time like randall was not none of us viewed randall as like a guy like Randall was like that backup signing because we lost out on Katie and Kyrie. <laughs> yeah. And and Mitch was still raw as yeah, hell. Was- RJ was your rookie, so you think that there's some value to him growing right. there. But Mitch was raw as hell. He was just like a second-round pick. He was supposed to be a high, high pick, but he fell into the second that year. Yeah, right. And so, like, they've operated in ways where they find value. They look for value, and they, they've... Look, at, look, you just look at all the contracts on the books. Like, they're pretty much all value contracts in a way. And right. I think... Porzingis is interesting because because of his injury history, it feels like there are a lot of teams that are like I mean it's it feels like the market for him is not what it should be given his level of play last season. And if you can get him on a Randall type of contract, that there's or a Brunson type of contract, right? Like that four, one oh five, one oh six, one oh seven, whatever. Like there's like in a year's time, if he if he played the same way he played last season, moving forward, in a year's time that contract will be another one that teams look at and they're like, it'll be like holy shit, like that's a fucking crazy valuable deal, and I I just think like he again like he just gives you an a tactical option an offensive ceiling that you don't have on the roster and he and his what he gives you isn't just like his value isn't just limited to what he can do with the ball in his hands. He warps defenses in ways that can get more out of a Jalen Brunson, that can get more out of an R.J. Barrett, potentially, that can get more out of That was going to be my next point, because I was going to say, if your drop-off on defense from Mitch to KP is, say, minus 5, your upswing on offense is at least double digits, if not more. Because it's not just the points KP's doing, it's that he's getting better looks. It's like, the ball gets down to Mitch, one of two things is happening. Either it's a basket 
or we're going the other way. And that's not a knock on him. That's just the offensive game. He He's not going to kick it out to RJ. He's not going to kick it out to Grimes. He's not going to find a slashing Randall. KP's offensive ceiling allows him to play much smarter and better than Mitch could ever imagine. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, it, it's, like, I, I just, it, it's it's not a knock on Mitch at all. It's just, yeah. it's, like, look, there's, I've talked about this, I th- I was even talking about this last year, but, like, even last summer, I was not, I'm not joking, but it was more of, like, a, what if we traded Randall for Porzingis? Would that be interesting? Um, and I, I still think that's, it would be interesting, but I don't, they're not, they're not going to trade Randall for Porzingis. They're going to try to, I think they're still in the boat of, like, Let's try to add more shit around Brunson and Randall. Um, and like, I, I just, but like, there's just not, how many centers are there that are genuinely plus defenders and give you that type of three point shooting? Like, there's, it's, it's Brooke Lopez and it's like, yeah, Jaron Jackson and he, he, Jr. And that's it. Like, Triple J is another guy I wouldn't mind. I'd have to, you'd have to like really poke around with his availability, see what Memphis is doing. But like, he he's very like he's very much an interesting, interesting piece. But is he available? Because that that's the guy I would like. I we'll shift to some Randall talk now too. Because like, there's two power forwards that we'll be linked to always: Zion and uh, Triple J. Yeah, well, JJ, I know like when they took like JJJ was he's a guy that when Leon and them came in like. He was on like the list of if this guy's available, we're definitely interested. Like, you know, there's yeah. a list of dudes. He's one, SGA's another guy. Like there there are some guys where they're like they know if those guys ever become available, the Knicks will be they will at least be like in the mix. They will be actively yes. in the mix to get those guys. They hired JJJ's father, uh, to be like a G League yeah. coach. He left, I think, to he got an assistant coaching job somewhere else. So he's not there with the mm-hmm. team anymore. But like, dude, if they I mean if they got JJJ his biggest issue, right, is like, yeah, foul trouble. But more importantly, he's not a strong rebounder. Like, yeah. if you play him with Randall, that's probably mitigated to a certain level. And you can mm-hmm. get away with it. And then we also know, like, I mean, look, the defensive stuff with him, he was fucking awesome this year. You know, he's defensive player of the he's, year. He's stalwart. Exactly. Stalwart defender. I, I think they won't move from Randall. Not this season, off least. But Randall's value will probably never be as high as it's been right now. Given that he's on a relatively friendly deal, which does you flash back to last season, it was looking like a cap dump. Mm-hmm. No one would sniff around a Randall trade, and now you actually have an active opportunity to move him somewhere if you want to. I just think the two names that come to mind is you know, do we want to bring in Zion? Because Zion will ultimately control where he wants to play. Yes, if he's like, oh, I really, I really don't care to play here. People are like, wow, he's just going to do the same thing he's doing in New Orleans, like half ass it. If you want to. Think about the idea of Zion and RJ together. Can they recreate the Duke magic? I don't know. But I like, I really, really like the idea of Jaron Jackson Jr. But Memphis is in a weird spot because for at least 25 games now, they, you know, they're just going to try to float along without jaw and then see what the roster looks like. But they're not bringing back uh, Brooks either. So, I mean, they've got to get creative here and there. That, that Brooks release they had where they like, they were just like, they leaked to Shabs. We're not bringing this fucking guy back under any circumstances. That was literally one of the meanest things I've ever read. They they went out of their way. They're like, yeah, this guy's not welcome back in the locker room. <laughs> I still, like, I couldn't believe that. That was so funny. Uh, you think about this, babe. Miles Bridges is about to be back in the NBA. Uh, yeah. And they didn't even have that strong of a statement about him versus Dylan Brooks. The Dylan Brooks thing is just... 
God, like I, he's he's gonna find a, he's gonna find a job in the NBA though. People oh, are like, oh, he's like he's out of league. Like we all joke about him playing in China or overseas. Nah, like he's still an NBA talent. He's he's an NBA talent. He's look. The issue with him is just like it, it, to me. It's they're like Houston's fucking sucks, right? Houston's terrible. They're not a serious team. I mean, watching them this year was genuinely like embarrassing. Like you're like this is not an actual professional program this is it was like watching the knicks back in the day like for a long stretch of time where you're like this team isn't actually interested in playing basketball there's no culture that's the thing yeah. it's so insane i felt bad for Saz because you're watching the rockets at the time and it's kind of like one of those it's kind of like one of those movies about a high school basketball team where they're just kind of there to fuck around and shoot hoops it's just like why are you there it's the team before coach carter gets there Yes, it made Doka's coach Carter. Though I don't know, man. <laughs> but like, but like a guy like Dylan Brooks, I think he has value to teams like that because he'll go in there and and like when Jalen Green and KPJ are just like walking back on defense, they're gonna be like, no, like he's gonna fucking get on them, which is right. Like he should. Like those guys need an asshole, and he can be an asshole on teams like that. A, a good asshole, yeah, at least. A, a good asshole on teams. Yeah, and he's a, he's a good, really good defender. Uh, his offense is obviously like kind of a disaster, but they suck again, right? Like they suck, so they can afford to have a guy that has a weakness like that if he's b- bringing you value in other ways. And look, who knows? Like maybe this whole thing with like how Memphis has kind of dogged him on his way out, and you know he became a meme this offseason or this this playoffs. Yeah. Maybe that humbles him in the way that needs to be humbled a little bit. Um, but there's value in a guy that competes like that, especially for a bad team that's trying to establish like some kind of foundation, right? Where it's like, like these guys, I don't know if you listened, I, I, I don't know if, uh, there's this podcast that I, I forget which one it was, but John Wall was on a podcast mm-hmm. earlier this year. And he was, you remember, if you remember, he was on the Rockets for a second. Yeah. Um, and so like he, he was talking about like, there was this practice or whatever where I forget what it was, but he was just talking to like Jalen Green, and he was like, "He's like you have like the shit you get away with here in in Houston. Like, like you don't understand. This is not the NBA. This is not how the NBA works. Like, like, yeah. like this isn't normal. And you're gonna be in for it. Like, whenever you know, if you get traded or if they get a good coach or whatever, like you're gonna be in for it. And like, I think I really am excited to watch them this year because I think Imadoka is gonna go in there and like the first day of training camp." Is just going to be like you guys are fucking losers. Like, like he's just not going to sugarcoat anything. And I, and, yeah. and and to your point about Dylan Brooks, like he's a guy that can probably he can be like a messenger in that way, right? Like he can convey the message and kind of set help set the tone that Udoka wants to set, presumably. So yeah, like there's value there. Like to bring it back to JJJ, um, you know that Memphis thing is just so weird where it's like. I have like Josh, he's suspended out for 25 games. Um, who knows? Like, but they're in a weird spot where it feels like, you know, a couple years ago they had all this talent and they've bled some of it, right? Like Melton is, yep. Melton is gone. Dylan Brooks is now gone. Um, you like Clark is coming back injured though, right? Yeah. Well, he ruptured his Achilles. So he, who knows when he'll be back. Ne- yeah. He might not be back next year for all we know. Um, mm-hmm. And, and actually it's it, what the good thing though is like, it seems like, Achilles ruptures are now no longer like career ending and like whatever miracles of modern medicine. But obviously Durant isn't the most durable guy, but when he's on the floor, he's really fucking good. Right. Like 
he's not as, he's not as limited as you would one would think with an Achilles injury, right? Especially at his age, and like Clay yeah. came back, like a bunch of guys have now come back from it to the point where you're like, okay, Clay took a long time to yep. go get back though. Let's, yeah, he did. It, 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 I mean, it might have been the age thing, but like it really took him a second to get back to where he was. Yeah, I mean, he also he had the thing where he ruptured, he tore his ACL, and then he ruptured his Achilles, and it's like, oh my god. Yeah, it was yeah. back to back. So look, but like. If they, I, I can't imagine they would even consider trading JJJ for the time being. Um, I it's hard to gauge a value on right. that too, honestly. I mean, his, he's on a really friendly yeah, deal. Yeah, his contract is really good. Uh, they still have. You got to imagine that they keep the Bain will get an extension this offseason. Ja mm-hmm. will be back, obviously, at some point. Like yes. they're going to give that at least another year or two. But he's a guy that you should definitely keep an eye on long term. But it's like, again, like we we're talking about with the Brunson deal, the Knicks do have this nice little window going for them. Like, you, again, don't feel the, the you shouldn't rush to do something, but mm-hmm. Porzingis is an opportunity that's there this offseason that, like, probably isn't going to cost you an arm, or, an arm and a leg. And that same yeah. deal that we had lined up for uh, Beal, if Porzingis opts in, just toss him that. Yeah, just give him, a, give him an expiring contracts. Give them like they we have the, give them give them their first yeah. back and give them like Toppin if anything yeah no I I look if if you can get Porzingis for a deal like that I think you should do it like I I really think you should and I think personally that's a better deal and it's a better it's just a better fucking like value proposition than yeah. a guy like like forget Bradley Beal but like I got another guy the Knicks have been linked to is Zach Levine and like I think. I'm a lot more open now to like Zach Levine as a option for the Knicks than I have mm-hmm. been in the past. Just like one, he did like he played 77 games this year, which was yep. a concern coming off his knee. So like it's good to see that he was able to be on the floor a bunch. He bounced back really, really strong, um, especially to close the season. And like just looking at his various like stats and shit the impact metrics for him are a lot better than I thought they were. So I'm more open to the idea than I have been previously. But like... I like Levine, yeah. but I don't like... Oh, so here's the thing with Levine. I like him on the Knicks. I don't like him on the Knicks as constructed. And I also don't like him at the price that... Like, he's going to cost you... Yeah, that's yeah. the other, That's a big, big thing right there. Yeah, that that's the part that really concerns me with him. Um, It just... I'm sorry. I just, I just saw something. Uh, <laughs> Trent Alexander Arnold praised for his Lionel Messi esque playmaking abilities. Oh no! <laughs> uh, English media love hyping up. He's a good player, though. Don't get it wrong. And, and guess what? They're finally playing in the midfield. I won. I won. I said he's not the fullback. Play him in the midfield. Play him at right mid. They're playing between somewhere of like a hybrid of right mid and center mid, so I win. Well, that, that's what Klopp was doing to close the year, right? So, it, yeah, it, it, everyone basically copied uh, Pep, right? Pep's formation, who copied Deserby from uh, Brighton, which yeah. is like three center, three center backs. Your uh, your full backs are in between either DM or out wide, and you just full press. Yeah, right, right. Um, but yeah, <laughs> bringing back to, to basketball. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, like the Levine thing is like. It, I think he is he an upgrade on RJ Barrett next season? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Is he worth what you'd have to give up for him and do I think RJ could get there in time? Like there's all these things to it. I don't think RJ can get there in time, but I don't think the cost for us to get there is worth it. That's my hang up on that. And the other thing is like 
Brunson staying. So if you if you can move Randall for um Randall for Levine, then you get in, into an interesting scenario where it's like, oh, you can kind of play a relatively big lineup where you have Levine, RJ somewhere between the two and three. Go Toppin at the four. Toppin's a little bit smaller, but I mean, it's just more athletic lineup also at that point. Yeah, I think it opens up the floor more. It's then it's like, but you're benching Grimes. It's just, it, yeah. This is like I, the way they have seemed to operate, it feels like they have an idea of what a rotation is going to look like coming into a season, and mm-hmm. so they look for not. I don't want to say like for like replacements or like for like upgrades, but they yeah. try to. It looks like to me like okay this point guard spot is not good. Let's try to get a better point guard. This spot off the bench is not good. Let's try to get a better wing. Let's try to get... So, I, I want... I Almost like a direct replacement on that right. spot. An improvement, which is the way you should improve. Like, you find the weak area, and you directly improve it. Right. And so, like, I feel like they... I mean, not feel... I mean, we know they like Grimes. Like, they obviously yeah. very much like Grimes. Um, it's... So, like, again, like, the RJ thing for me is just, like, it, I think they rightfully probably feel that that is the easiest way for them to improve this this for this upcoming season. But, like, what is the cost of that improvement is really, that's the real yeah. question they have to answer. And it's, like, is that cost worth it? Like, I don't know. The Levine thing is, it's really, it's it's just, like, it. it's so hard I, I'm actually very happy that we actually are able to have these conversations now instead of like, mm-hmm. oh, I wonder like who who can the Knicks draft at like six that will save the franchise? Like, I very much <laughs> prefer being like, how can we improve this specific element of our game? Um, but yeah, like I, I don't know. The our, our RJ is just like he's kind of an enigma in a way, and I, I really love his like mentality and his professionalism. There's like real, mm-hmm. like value to that uh but you need like it can't and like look i he had a good playoffs but some of the like levels of praise he's gotten for it is also excessive where i'm like look it was a good playoffs it's a very encouraging playoffs for sure and anybody like one if you kept faith with him all year kudos to you and anybody like should feel everybody should feel a little bit more optimistic at least about his Mm -hmm. long-term trajectory after watching that but like we also need to stop pretending he was like like the idea that well given his playoffs he should be untouchable it's like all right relax like he wasn't nah. fucking jordan out there like he was really good for what we if he, if he was as good in the regular season as he was in the playoffs we wouldn't have been in the predicament that we were in the regular season at any point yeah we probably finished top two in the east yeah we would have been a top three top two team for sure and so like i i don't know it's really hard this is the hardest thing with young players where it's like Young, nobody develops linearly, right? So it's like yes. you look at these various stages and it's hard to know like, okay, well, those 11 games in the playoffs, is that who he is now? And is that like what we should base our long-term projections off of? Or is the regular season that we saw where it was like very up and down to be generous, is that more of an indication of what he is? And and then like quite frankly, I mean, forgetting the overall level of play, I think it's it has to be said like, He's not been a good three-point shooter. He was a really bad three-point yeah. shooter this year, and he got pretty a pretty solid quality level of looks. Like that's a real consideration you have to make. Where it's like, do you? And, and this is one where like I don't know exactly how to do this, but it's like, 
do you just straight up believe in this guy to become a, a good shooter? Not a great shooter. It doesn't need to be a great shooter. Is it, At least more reliable. Yeah, is he, is, can he, I mean, he was 40% that COVID year. Like when, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I don't think anybody really believed he's going to be a 40% three-point shooter from that point on. But, like, can he get to, like, 36%, 37%? Those are real questions. And, like, I tend to believe that he will get to, like, that league average level. But it's it's purely a belief. Like, it is not – there's no science to that, for at least for, for our purposes. There's no science to it. It's just, like, based on his form, based on how hard he works – the fact that his free throw shooting did get a little bit better and all this type of stuff. I'm like, I just think he's going to do it. But again, it's, I think, I don't know. I don't feel like there's nothing, there's nothing to really prove for us that, you know, he will get there either. We hope as Knicks fans, all all we can do is hope. Yeah. And, and like, as long as he's here, obviously you're hoping for the best. Um, I guess, you know, look, the other, the the Knicks have a couple, like we talked about the Josh Hart thing. The Knicks also have a decision to make this off season on Emmanuel quickly. I know that there's some there's a school of thought that some people have of like, well, like if he's destined to just be a bench guy, uh, or, you know, your sixth man, maybe you don't pay him, and and you know he had a he struggled in the playoffs offensively. Like, it, look, I I don't subscribe to that thought because I think you know like oh we'll include him in a trade for you know fucking Zach Levine or Beal or whatever instead of RJ. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we you just you mentioned it just earlier like. Those guys are effectively you'd be acquiring them to be direct replacements for RJ Barrett. If you mm-hmm. in, if you trade like an Emmanuel quickly as the main centerpiece in a deal like that, it's not necessarily the worst idea in the world. Uh, but it is like who's your backup point guard now? So now you've created a hole in your lineup instead of upgrading a spot in your yeah. in your rotation. And and like I just feel like there's Look, I've been on the record, and I still am. Like, I still believe that, like, the ultimate ceiling of a guy, like, I believe more in quickly hitting his ceiling than I do believe in, like, an R.J. Barrett, which is based on what I've seen from him in the NBA. Yeah. And either way, like, I just think there's definitely more to his game right now than we've even seen so far. Like, I think there's way more growth from him to come. I would not be, I would not be trading him right now. And I feel like because of his contract, because he's still on that rookie deal, it's almost weird to trade him, and it's hard to get the value you can for that you would want for him, ideally. So I like the, will they extend him or not? I don't know, but I really think they should extend him. I would like to extend him. I was, I think the regular season he showed us last year, especially when Tibbs finally like, oh, wow, I have to play this guy. He's really good. Like He finally listened to us. You saw his numbers take off, and it's just like, okay, this is the quick that you know, this is the bare minimum of quickly that we expected, right? And he he become an above average defender. He's not like by no means, you know, Bruce Bowen, but he's a solid defender, which is all you could hope for at least. My thing was he really looked like a deer in headlights in Cleveland before he got injured. Or Miami, but yeah, yeah. In Miami, even Miami, yeah, when he got injured. But the entire postseason, he was just very it could be like, again, rookie jitters because that was only his second time in the postseason. But I was looking at him like, I'm trying not to put too much stock into this, but like when you're playing that rattled, when you played so good in the regular season, it's hard for me to not at least like weigh that a little bit. But no, I mean, listen, if we could keep him because he, what he's shown us the regular season, great. And then you hope, you know, next postseason, 
he doesn't have a repeat of that. He finally, you know, settled, yeah, confident. It's, it's like him him and Grimes looked rattled offensively for sure in the postseason. And like and actually, you know, there was a point at the end of the regular season where you're like, man, what is this extension like what is he gonna get? I still think he's gonna get like a good number, but one, I think this is where the CBA this new CBA probably benefits the Knicks in a certain way. Um, mm-hmm. where the market for him is probably not as rich as it would have been. And then because he struggled in the playoffs, I feel like if he had had a good playoffs, this would be a lot more complex of a discussion. Because Cause then we're probably looking at trading him because he's pricing himself yeah, out. Yeah, like his contract is going to be huge probably. But he didn't. So like, and, and the other part of it is under the new CBA, you can give him a five-year extension that isn't a max. You couldn't have done that before. So like, if you can kind of bridge the divide of like, okay, well, I want over a hundred million guarantee, and you're like, okay, that's fine, but then we want to give you it over five years, not four years. That's like an int- like if you can give him five, one hundred and ten million or something, right? And bring down that average yeah. dollar too. Like I think, I think that's a really nice solid price point, or even like five one hundred million, where it's like twenty million a year, um, but it's again, it's over five years instead of four, right? Where that'll be twenty five yeah. million a year. I think that's the nice like middle ground they will ultimately land on. And one thing we know about this front office is like I think Quickly is one of their guys. And I think mm-hmm. unless an opportunity comes for a true star, like I don't I don't believe they like do I think they like Zach Levine? Yeah. Do I think they view somebody like Zach Levine as like a true star? I don't think so. And even guys like a true star, like I Hundred percent believe they believe Donovan Mitchell is a true star, but they didn't yeah. go all in on him, and they were not comfortable, you know, putting in all their young guys and shit like that. Like, so I think quickly is one of their guys, and while I don't think that means he'll is for he'll forever be a Nick or anything like that, I do feel like they probably feel he has more value in a year or two on an actual dollar value contract than he does as kind of like a look at. It's hard to trade. A guy making four million dollars, but playing like he, like a twenty million dollar player for the right value. It's hard to do that. Yeah, because what are we got to throw? And we got to throw in. I mean, it would be a case of throwing in Fournier Rose to balance something, but then you'd have to get something in return to make it worthwhile. Yeah, and it's like if you're just getting picks, I don't think they're going to do that. Like if they nah. just traded quickly for picks, I think Tibbs's head would like fucking explode. He'd be like, "Are you kidding me? Like, like <laughs> you just." Well, now he would be yeah. kidding you. Beforehand, he would like, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> but, but like, yeah, like there, I don't. It's it's just hard. Like, if you look at the players at that price point, right? Of like, okay, if I give up quickly and Fournier, look at the players in that range. How many of those guys are you like? Oh yeah, he'll not only will he make us better today, but he's also going to be better for us over the next two, three, four years. Like, there's just not a lot of guys. And then even if they are, if there are the guys that are maybe. I don't know why those teams would do that trade. Like, I don't know why they would do that trade. So it's just like hard to find the value. Whereas once he's on that a next contract where he's making 20 million a year or whatever it is, like, it's a lot easier than to be like, okay, well, we can, we'll give him up and then we'll attach like this big expiring deal we have or whatever fuck it is at that point. Um, and now we can get into the range for like, he can be the centerpiece along with the whatever picks and all that shit we throw in for a guy like a Devin Booker or whatever. Um, and, and that's kind of how I view like RJ and quickly where whatever you want to do with those guys, like whether they're, if you, even if your long-term plan is like, and your long-term belief is these guys are more valuable to us as trade chips than 
they're going to be integral pieces on the next contending Knicks roster. Um, you don't want to trade those guys together. I think you need to separate them um, as assets whenever you do or if you do trade them because you'll get more value to upgrade your roster in that fashion than you would if you package them together. Booker signed an extension, correct? Yeah, he's so... By the way, I, I forgot to mention this. This is the Bradley Beal extent. Bradley Beal next four years, okay? 46.7, 50.2, and then a 57.1 player option in 2026. Which he will naturally exercise. <laughs> Devin, yeah, Devin, if, if Bradley Beal does not take his $57 million player option in 2026-2027, he is a better man than me, I'll tell you that. Um, okay, De- Devin... I'm looking at the Booker contract. Okay, this I mean, these are all like the new Supermax term for all these players. This is crazy. Yeah, the the Booker contract is this. It is uh so this upcoming season he makes thirty six point he makes thirty six million and then next season is when his supermax uh kicks in. So that's fifty, that's fifty four, that's fifty eight, and then it's sixty two. Like so so this is kind of where I'm at where and, and I don't know if you listened to the KFS pod with Jeremy, but he talked about like using like Levine being a stepping stone to eventually land a guy like a Booker or whatever. Like if you let's say you sign quickly for that five hundred million, and you use RJ and Fournier and picks to get Levine or whatever it is, like maybe mm-hmm. in two years' time now, you take Levine and you take quickly and book and Booker's like fucking Katie is a geriatric. I can't play with this guy anymore. We're not going anywhere. I want out. Yeah, I want out. Now, if you have quickly on that deal, and then you have Levine making, you know, he's got 40 for the next year, two years, whatever, that gets you right into that price range. And then you make your fucking push with all your picks and all that stuff. Then you cash in on the picks. And not for nothing, looking at at Booker's age during those things, he's still in his prime. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, he by the end of that supermax, he's only thirty, which is insane to think about. I mean, Booker is like the guy that I've thought forever is like he's basically everybody like because I've constantly been like, don't trade for this guy, don't trade for this guy, and I always get people that are like, who the fuck do you even want to trade for, man? Like, what what do you, what is your deal? And I'm just like, I mean, look, if you're asking me, like, he's the guy I'm waiting for. Like, it's not fucking cat. It'll never be cat. It's not like Zach Levine as a stepping stone. I can talk myself into, but not as like he's not the guy. I'm like cash it in, uh, Bradley Beal. But you mentioned it like the stepping stone and like like the IQ thing because IQ's trajectory is only upwards. Let's let's be real. He's even even if all he does is good regular seasons, that's still enough to drum interest in like at least twenty teams in the NBA. Well, there are teams that suck it. Like this is where like what, the league is so competitive now. It, it and this the league is in a good place where like. It actually feels like we've gone away from, you know, 10 teams are trying to tank every year. We're like, yeah. who the fuck is trying to tank next year? Like, if you just look at the draft, right, at the top of the draft this year, um, we know that the Spurs, they're going to get Wemby, but I don't think they're, they're not, I don't think they're going to be trying to tank next year. Sure. No, not at all. I think they'll probably be back in the mix. I mean, this was a very, like, end of, like, our shit three, four year run where we're finally like, oh, we bottomed out, but now we can get back yeah. up and be normal. Oh, and we, 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 we're, we're just so fortunate to land a generational big man once again. <laughs> um, so, like, the Spurs aren't going to tank next year. Charlotte never tanks. Maybe they have new ownership, but, like, I don't imagine they're going to be interested in tanking. In what scenario are they tanking, though, when you have LaMelo out there still? You still have, uh, I mean, they might trade the pick for someone. I think, they, I think they're going to, I, I, 
would not surprise me if they are able to get Zion with that pick. Um, so you can't tank with Zion and Lamella. Yeah, I mean, hope just very. I mean, you might tank indirectly, <laughs> like, but you're not going out of your way to tank. Right. We know the Blazers are not going to tank. The Rockets, not not as long as Dame Lillard's live right. now. We know the Rockets. Suck. They might be there again because they stink. Right. That's just, but they don't want. But to. even then, they don't want to. Tank. Yeah, they don't want Detroit, to. Detroit, Udoka's yeah. there, so you think they might be. I mean, let me, let's put it this way: Udoka's there. They're going to want to be competitive. If Harden does come back, think there's no way you can tank. Either you're going to be paying top dollar to Harden to like tank, and I'm pretty sure they're paying out John Wall, right? I think he's he's done now. That so that he was a okay. Yeah. So that buyout's done. Yeah. Okay. So he, they've got like 60 million in cap space, but everything that I've seen in, and I've heard is that they don't want to suck next year. So they're going to spend that cap space to try to be good. Well, Tillman spent way too much money on the Rockets to tank, man. You got to. <laughs> When you when you pump that much money into the Rockets and all you do is lose losing yeah. money, forget it. you can't do especially that. It's untenable, especially when you're not exactly liquid. Uh, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> Detroit, Orlando, these teams, Pacers. The only like the honestly the only two teams I could uh, the only team I could see actively choosing to tank next year is Washington. That's it. Like yeah. other than that, that's why they want their own first back. <laughs> right. Other than that, like I mean, I'll, okay, I'll throw this at you. Wait, Washington has new ownership, right? Or new management? Yeah, one of them. New, man- new management. Yeah. Uh, they just hired Michael Winger from the Clippers to basically be their GM. Um, okay. I'll throw this at you. There's a school of thought that I've seen floating out there. I don't know mm-hmm. if this is true. I don't think it's true. But, like, let's say Utah, obviously they made the Gobert and Mitchell trade, and I don't care what anybody says. Danny Ainge's plan was not for this team to be, like, somewhat good this year and get the ninth pick. He thought this yeah. team would suck, and he probably wanted them to suck and have a better shot at getting Wemby. There's a school of thought of like, okay, as good as Merkinen is, we are not going to be good. Like he's he's another guy, so he's got like two years left in his deal. His deal is fucking awesome. It's like fifteen million. Years. I like him, but I, I don't think Ainge like the whole circus we dealt with with Ainge. I don't <laughs> think we can even revisit. Like Markkinen was like the first clear cut guy. I thought I'd point power forward upgrade. And I'm like, wait, he plays in Utah. It's not happening. But like, would like I've seen people talk about this, like would you trade like Randall and two firsts and whatever to get him? And like I really like Markinen, but I'm also like he. We did this with Randall, right? Where it's like Randall has this awesome All NBA season, and the next year he sucks ass. Uh, I'm not saying that's going to happen with Markinen, but Markinen has had one awesome All Star All NBA season, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Like it's a risk, I think. But is it one that you would make? Like if you were like. Like, if, if Danny Ainge hits you up and is like, just give me fucking, like, expiring contract and, you're, like, three unprotected firsts, are you doing that? Nope. Nope. Not not first. I, the first, the first, it, let me put it this way, man. I've lived through a decade where we didn't have firsts at all. <laughs> With, between Isaiah and Layden, they were throwing them out like fucking potato chips. The fact that we have first-round picks is such a luxury. And to throw, like, if you're going to tell me, oh, throw your first-round picks away for, like, Giannis or throw it away for like Doncic or throw it away for Booker. Yeah, absolutely. You can take my next five. No question. I'll start with the first five first round picks before I even add anything. But for someone like Markinen, that really like it does he might move the needle, but you're gonna ask for three first. I'd rather give Randall and one first. Like if they call us up at the draft draft night, say Randall and the pick, like we want someone we don't have a first, but like if we want someone at your pick number, if it was at the draft, I'd be like, Yeah, we have like pick twenty or whatever, take it. But unprotected first, man, that's that's something you use for, like, something that's really going to put you over the top. 
Because you see how negligent teams are with it. You look at Atlanta giving two unprotected first for Deontay Murray. This would be essentially the same thing as a Deontay Murray trade for us. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's so hard to trade for a guy. This is almost like if you're trading for him at that price, you're basically saying this isn't his peak value. Like there's more there, or not just is this not his, or or maybe even there's not more there. We think this guy, like this is who he is now. He's just going to be a perennial yeah. all star. I don't know if that's true, and like I, I just it's just such a crazy. This is like trades are so hard, man. They're so hard when you're trying to like you know, project what guys are going to be. I mean, you look at, like, go back now, and you look at that fucking Clippers deal they make with, with OKC, right? Where it's like, yeah. like, they gave up, I, like, they gave up fucking SGA, who was a first-team All-NBA guard. And you look back at that, and you're like, why did they just not? And then it's like, well, because Kawhi wanted PG. And it's like, okay, well, maybe you should have told Kawhi, like, look, that's great. Uh, we, like, just come here, play with SGA, you'll be okay. But look, it's, this is the thing. It's just hard to know this stuff in real time and project it. No matter how careful and prudent and analytical you are, like there's always risk. There's always risk. And even if Cleveland, like look at Cleveland, like, yeah, you got Donovan Mitchell. He's fucking awesome. But like, look at what you gave up. You gave up all your picks and you gave up Markkanen, who looks like he was a, literally a fucking all-star this year. I think it's funny that you're like, you're mentioning the SGA thing. Cause it, it maybe it's just dialogue these days. And, Everyone just likes to play the game of, oh, look, they traded away this person and they became XYZ after they left. I've literally been, I mean, maybe it's because of all the football transfers for United. I very much just become a person of like, this player didn't work out for you. Cut your losses and don't think of anything what they become in the future because that's not, it has nothing to do with your team. So if we were to trade, say, IQ Toppin, RJ, whoever, Grimes, and they become like a 20 and 10 guy down the line for Indiana, Detroit, Atlanta, wherever. I'm not going to cry over it. Why? Because it wasn't working out here. If it's not working out here, what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I know. I think, like, this is, that's why when we traded Porzingis, I was fine with it. Because I was just like, okay, like, you, like, it, it actually, in some ways, I was, it was refreshing because people were like, oh, this is classic Knicks. They're just like trading a guy to clear cap space and make a run at Katie and Kyrie or whatever. And like, obviously, that was a huge element of it. But to me, I, I was like, okay, they're making the calculated gamble that maxing KP after his injury, like with his injury risk, isn't worth yep. it. And they want to clear the decks. They're resetting their cap entirely. Like they're, they're actually for once cleaning the slate. Like they're totally cleaning the slate and they're adding mm -hmm. first round picks. I was okay with that. Like I think sometimes you just need to make, like, like you said, like not even necessarily cut your losses, but like, just make a tough call. Like it's it's not easy, and that's all it is. If if it's not working out here, it doesn't matter what happens anywhere else because it wasn't happening for you. Yeah, like it's it's yeah. it's it's kind of like, I mean, like with the Lakers, right? I mean, it's they won a championship, so I guess they won the yeah. trade anyway. But like when they made the AD deal, right? Like if you after they win the championship, they've had these weird seasons. There's all these people that are like, oh, like they look at Ingram, he's an all star, and all these guys, and I'm like. Yeah, like that's great, but they had LeBron, and they needed to like try to win a championship. They didn't, and they won a championship, right, and they didn't. They didn't have the luxury to wait around for like three years and be like, "Oh, well, like Brandon Ingram, he could be an All Star. Julius Randle, he could be an All Star." Like they had to fucking try to win now. And then for now, what were the other pieces in that trade? Josh Hart, which he got tra he got traded to Portland, got traded to the Lonzo Knicks. Ball, RIP. Lonzo's <laughs> knee is completely done, so it's like like 
that's what I'm saying. Like, what are you crying? If you're going to cry over Brandon Ingram, great. But is Brandon Ingram doing enough to, like, justify that? Right. He's, he's a high-level scorer. Yeah, but he also missed, like, 25, 30 games a year. Yeah, and, and I, it's like there's, like, so it's, there are teams to criticize when they give up on guys. But, like, you know, is it unreasonable for the Clippers to have gambled on, okay, look, if we if we need to get Paul George for Kawhi Leonard coming off of that championship year in Toronto to come here, it's yeah. it's worth it. Like, I think that's reasonable. Where you have to look at, and actually, like, this is a team that I feel like, this is why I think Levine is actually interesting. <laughs> Chicago, you look at them, like, they gave up on Wendell Carter Jr. He looks like a solid starting center. They gave up on mm-hmm. Markin, and he immediately improved in Cleveland once he left, and then obviously he's taking an yeah. even bigger leap now. Like, they are a team that seems to depress or suppress their own talent and doesn't know necessarily how to get the best out of what they have. So it's interesting, like a guy like Levine, where I'm like, he's got all these flaws. He's defensively, I definitely don't love it. Offensively, mm-hmm. he's a great scorer, but like, do you trust him in any games? There's, you know, there's definitely stuff with him that's worrisome. But then I also look at him and I'm like, why is this guy only taking like seven threes a game? This is like the easiest thing to fix where it's like, why are you not taking, like, you should be taking fucking 11 threes a game. You're a fucking really good shooter. You're a dynamic shooter. Like, get, take more threes. And, that's and and also again like just the the fact that Chicago has bled talent that has ultimately flourished elsewhere. Even a guy like Daniel Gafford, he's not a great player, but he's a NBA caliber center. Like so, yeah. you look at these guys they've kind of given up on and how they've done elsewhere. It's interesting to think about. Like, okay, Levine has actually been he's a two time All Star in Chicago. Is it possible that there's more for him in a better scenario? And if you look at Levine's entire career, right, like he's played in these weird coaching situations. Um, and like mm-hmm. he's been in weird, you know, he's in the rebuilding Timberwolves team, and then he gets traded to Chicago for Jimmy Butler and that Chicago team. They're trying to rebuild, and they have these terrible coaches and whatever. It's like he's not been in great situations, so maybe some of his like weird impact stuff, impact metrics, are because of his situation more than they are about himself. So um, it's he's an interesting guy, and I, 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 I don't know if he's going to move this offseason because who knows what the fuck Chicago is going to do. I really never, you know, that's a really interesting point that you got. We use him as a half measure because I really never thought about that, like a half step. But it works out. And I was just looking at his contract after you mentioned it up. The contract's bearable mm-hmm. because it's st- it's still a better contract than you'd get with Beal, and the age lines up better. And I I feel like his health issues are finally better at this point than they were maybe like two years ago when the risks were more hanging over your head, like oh the knees, oh he's only played. You know, X amount of games. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, all right, I guess we can finish up. Like, do you think the Knicks end up trading into the draft? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like if there's no, uh, well, I'll I'll preface it by saying this: if the the Knicks always have that one guy they like, and I feel like we're very smart and moving maneuvering into the late first. So, if you had to ask me, what are that? chances of us trading into the late first, say between 22 and 30, I'd say at least 33%. Yes. Yeah, I think I feel like they will. Um, or, you know, forgetting if they will or not, I think they should because I don't like going multiple years without making a draft pick. Uh, yep. I mean, I know they drafted Keels, but like, come on. Um, I, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think you you want to have those like Lower salary, cost controlled guys on your 
on your books just from like a pure accounting purpose you want that shit mm-hmm. um because you need to have that young pipeline so you eventually like when you do trade guys it's more bearable to consolidate talent because you're like well this guy's going to come up this guy we have you know we have this guy in the back or at least start working around right. with them and so like i think they need they should trade into this draft and i feel like they will but i'm not i mean i don't know for sure i i mean it's who knows like it's it's a dynamic market, so like they might maybe they have a plan to trade into the draft, but then maybe something comes available where they're like, well, actually, we'll use this asset not to move into the draft, but to acquire said player or something. So, well, like like we mentioned earlier, the chance of Top and Mitch. I mean, if you sell high on them or sell them off at all, at least a first back for one of them. Yeah, yeah, I think I think they can probably get a late first for Obi. Do they feel like that's a better use of him um, than you know he's effectively can be an expiring salary? In a trade, like maybe he's more valuable to them, and as an aggregate aggregate salary, then they view him as a way to get a late first. And also, look, look, we know, but his talent, but you know, what? his talent is too good to just say he's an aggregate yeah, salary. Yeah. And tons of teams see it around the league. Like Sacramento saw it two off seasons ago. Indiana's called around about him a couple times. There's genuine interest. It's just like, especially after this year, like we said, where we rehabbed a lot of players' values very well. You see it with Obi, and I've always said his comparison is like a low level Sean Marion. Where he's dynamic enough, runs the floor. He, if he, could, if you could teach him more defense, he could play it. So I mean, there's definitely value there. I don't think you know throwing him in as like a salary filler for a deal is his ultimate value. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely a team that will take him for a first. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you there. Um, all right, I think that's a decent place to end it. Uh, Penny, thanks so much for coming on, man. Appreciate your time. Thank you for having me on, man. Yeah. It's been too long. Yeah, for sure. I've got a lot of got the rants off, though, for sure. <laughs> uh, let the people know where they can find you and plug anything that you'd like to plug. Uh, I would say easiest place to find me is at name Puneet Singh. That's pretty much a uniform for everything. Uh, Twitter, Instagram. And, uh, yeah, I'll just plug in you guys. Check out Pod Strickland, as always. Check out their merchandise. Uh, check out the Patreon for some sweet little access items. <laughs> And check out the YouTube. YouTube is great. I love YouTube. Oh, man, YouTube is the best. Uh, I have nothing to plug other than uh, the wonderful work here. Uh, if you are interested in the beautiful game, which is soccer, uh, give me a follow. Uh, you will find many, many a take <laughs> on there. Uh, and I think we're chill- I think we're chilling for this summer. I think it's just like Nations League right now, so I can chill. I'm oh, not, like, I'm not women's World stressed Cup. to watch. I'm so pumped over the Women's World Cup. Oh, yeah, the Women's World Cup will kick yeah. back on. That'll be a fun time. But, I mean, right now it's... Yeah, Women's World Cup is until what July? Yeah, I think it's, oh, man, yeah, that's it's right around the corner. Yeah, that's literally yeah, yeah. like there's no break. There's no break <laughs> in football, man. I'm like, oh, I know you can enjoy till August. Now, nah, World Cup kicks right back on. We're back in it. And you can't, you can't even enjoy it until August because you got to deal with the transfer window, which is just fucking banana. So forget the transfer window. We still need new owners. <laughs> <laughs> that's that. Someone, someone like I quoted tweeted one of the Mariah Mills tweets, and I was just like. She's like heartbroken. This has gone on for too long. I'm like me after finding the Glazers saying they're going to sell and they still haven't sold. <laughs> like it's been seven months, man. Give it a rest already. Yeah, I know. It's just, I'm so sick of them. Oh, uh, man. We could talk about United forever. All right. That is our pod for today, which is brought to you by betonline.ag. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And I will see everybody on, uh, I don't know. 
I'll see you at the draft. I'll tell you that. I, I will be there. We will be doing a live. You're gonna go to the draft? No, nice. no, we'll be doing a live stream. Uh, oh, I was like, gonna say. Like, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to see my beautiful face for fucking six hours, check out our our draft stream. All right. Woj isn't Woj isn't spoiling it this year. It's a yes, W. He mentioned that on the Russello pod, so that's that's good. Shams will still be spoiling it though. Of course, <laughs> asshole. All right, that is our pod for today. Again, I hope everybody has a great weekend, and I will see you on uh, Thursday. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.